Systematic. Systematic. Recorded in Humble Park, Chicago. Systematic podcast. Hosted by twin sisters. It's a magic podcast. Alexis and Samantha. Samantha. Just in case your friends ask. Systematic podcast. Hey, welcome back to Systematic Podcast. The show about politics, pop culture, and sisterhood. It's your girls here. I'm Sam. And I'm Alexis. And this is season three, episode two. We are doubled up this month. We have two amazing guests on this episode. Super amazing. Yes, super inspirational. That's Alex, Jenny, and Sarah Dowd. Really excited to get into that conversation. It's Pride Month, and we talk a lot about mental health in the queer community and a lot more so super excited for everyone to hear that but first we're going to get into some current events oh and really quickly i need to give a huge shout out to alexis yes because she finally just finished her master's degree at u chicago what like two weeks ago so it's a huge huge accomplishment how do you feel I don't know. I guess I'm a master now. It's kind of weird. Oh my god. <laughs> Definitely a master, bitch. You're like, what, 4% of Latinas in America with a master's degree or something? Something like that. Might be lower. Yeah. It's fucked up, but you're doing it, so have to give her, her congrats on that. But yeah, did you want to start with politics first? Yeah, let's go. We can start with covering covid the pandemic and vaccine rollout in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, Chicago, quote, officially reopened on June 11th. So that is a big step in regard to coming out of this pandemic and, quote, returning to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, like restaurants are back to like full capacity and you like don't have to wear masks mm-hmm. indoors which is crazy yes and i think it's really important to note that we are taking this um turn largely because of the vaccine rollout um 55 of chicagoans have now received at least one dose of their of the vaccine um, and cases are super low now in Chicago and in the state. The positivity rate is below 1%. Um, so yeah. it, it really just shows how effective the vaccine is at reducing the spread mm-hmm. of the virus and helping make us all safer. So if you haven't got the vaccine, like that's how we're going to continue to make progress is more and more people getting the vaccine and chicago uh sorry the state actually rolled out a vaccine lottery so if you get your vaccine between now and july 1st you're automatically entered into a one million dollar lottery um so you have a chance to win a million dollars uh just by getting the shot um that we've already received so i would definitely suggest doing that So what else is happening in Chicago right now? Yeah, so this week, a city council hearing has gone kind of viral. There's a picture that uh, has been trending of Mayor Lori Lightfoot getting in a heated argument with alderwoman Jeanette Taylor. Yeah, I saw the photo. It looked pretty intense. Um, I know it was taken during a recess of a city council meeting. Um, Can you give us some more background? Why were they having um, this intense conversation? 
Yeah, so I'll try and summarize what happened as like concisely as possible. But essentially, city council was in the middle of a meeting. They were about to vote on the appointment of a new corporation council for, person for the city, which is essentially like a way of saying they were voting for to appoint a new lawyer to represent the city. Um, and this kind of wouldn't this wouldn't really be like a big issue normally. They just vote and then the person's appointed. But when it came up for a vote this week, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor stood up and voted to delay consideration of this appointment on behalf of Anjanette Young. Essentially, the case with Anjanette Young is that the Chicago Police Department in 2019 wrongfully raided her house. Like, it was the wrong address. Like, she had done nothing wrong. It was a botched raid on her house in 2019. And um, she happened to be, like, getting out of the shower. She was, she was naked when the police literally just, like, barged into her house. And they, like, refused to, like, let her cover herself yeah they handcuffed her while she was nude and had an all-male team uh raiding her apartment and literally had her just standing there without allowing her to get dressed for 10 whole minutes yeah Um, so dehumanizing yeah just completely disgusting behavior on behalf of the officers involved and on behalf of the city for trying to prevent the release of the body camera footage in this case Mm -hmm. and then on behalf of this lawyer that's in question who was um going to be appointed during city council this week who recently has uh moved to get the case Anjanette Young's case dismissed her case against the city that's why Alderwoman Taylor motioned to delay the consideration of this woman's appointment and Mayor Lightfoot got super pissed in a very kind of like just authoritarian way she called a recess during the meeting and then immediately walked up to Alderwoman Taylor like really got in her face um reports are saying that she was yelling at her and kind of trying to make this like a race issue too accusing her of disrespecting um a woman of color because the lawyer that was going to be appointed i think she's like the first hispanic woman to be appointed to this uh position as corporation counsel Mm -hmm. um representing the city and it's just completely ridiculous for the mayor or for anyone to make this like a race issue as if this is like a black and brown women like a point of contention when older women Jeanette Taylor is simply standing up for justice in this case and standing up for and Jeanette Young and her right to get justice from the city because of the way the police treated her right so we support Alderwoman Taylor and I think Lori Lightfoot needs to back up a little bit she has this pattern of literally getting in people's faces when they disagree with her or don't do what she wants and that's not how leadership works so right but if Lori has the opportunity to cap for some cops you know she's gonna do it so thank god we have people like Alderwoman Taylor on the city council And we'll keep y'all posted on how Anjanette Young's case against the city goes and hope that there's uh, some justice that can be served. Right. Was there um, anything else that you wanted to talk about before we switch over to pop culture? Yeah, unfortunately, there's one last story that we have to cover really quickly. There was a young couple that was recently killed in our neighborhood in Humboldt Park. This crime was 
captured on a video that's also gone viral unfortunately this like just beautiful young couple who had two children Giovanni Arzawaga and Yasmin Perez lost their lives to an act of really senseless gun violence following the Puerto Rican People's Day Parade that happened um, in our neighborhood this past weekend. Right, and it's just a, just such a heartbreaking story. Our heart goes out to both of their families, mm -hmm. and uh, this like story is making national headlines now. And I think it really just highlights like a lot of issues, but one just like th this level of violence that is unfortunately normalized in our communities, mm -hmm. um, and really just like highlights the need for us to do more to prevent these crimes because we already give 40% of our budget to the police and policing is not gonna solve these really deep systemic issues. We need wraparound services in our community mm -hmm. and we need alternatives that can serve as a long-term solution to reducing these types of um, this type of violence. Right. The GoFundMe link is still in our bio if you want to support um, Giovanni or Yasmin's family and their children and their two children who I'm sure will need lots of support following the loss of their parents. So with that being said, I think we're going to transition over to pop culture and maybe talk about um, something a, a little bit more uplifting. So the first story I want to jump into in pop culture is the story of Shakari Richardson now being the fastest woman in America. She killed it in the, what is it, 100 meter? 100 meter dash. She broke a I believe world record that's been standing for over 30 years she did the 100 meter dash in under 11 seconds and really just dominated the competition yeah it's a really incredible video and now she's going to the olympics she's going to tokyo she's only 21 years old and yeah i just think it's like so inspiring the way that she just like carries herself and right well not only was she just like is she like a world-class athlete but she just is like super like authentic and isn't afraid of taking up space like yeah right immediately after she crossed the finish line and won she was like pointing at the cameras like saying like telling them like stop playing with me um and that's like something that like you don't always see from uh, especially like female athletes i feel like sometimes there's this expectation for them to be kind of like humble or something and she was just like nope i did that and we love to see it can't wait to see her in the tokyo olympics coming up we know this is you know just the beginning for her and we wish her all the best yes, we're here for it so in other pop culture news i really wanted to talk about the updates in the britney spears conservatorship case yeah we haven't talked about this on the podcast before right i thought we, we talked did. about the free britney documentary yeah i, th I thought we touched i on know it. i can't remember because i know we wanted to talk about it but yeah just to quickly summarize um if people are not familiar or don't know about this britney spears like the britney spears has been in this crazy conservatorship mandated by the court for like 13 years basically a conservatorship is um like a legal arrangement normally it's for like older people or people who are like really like maybe 
disabled or like mentally impaired and it's like meant to protect them by giving like a family member or someone else essentially guardianship over them and like their finances but it's really really unusual for it to be like a a younger person and like someone who is like literally just world famous um, I mean, everyone knows that Britney had these, like, you know, very public um, kind of mental breakdowns previously. But yeah, it's been 13 years where she basically has had no autonomy over herself and is essentially being controlled by her father. And this week, she went to court for the first time in her battle in this under this conservatorship. She was able to make a testimony on mm-hmm. public record because in the past all of the court cases have been like sealed yeah it's been sealed so she's able to for the first time in, in these 13 years talk about what her experience is like and i think it's been really moving and and heartbreaking for a yeah lot of to, to hear it from her because there's been a lot of people i think like um trying to like speak about this and and what their um, perspective is but to really hear it from her i think is getting um a lot of people to listen because it's it's really insane what she has been going through it's hard to fathom um the abuse and control that she's been living yeah, so under what, what did she say yeah i mean she basically hearing. explained um like how unhappy she is with with the arrangement um and she described it as an abusive arrangement um she like went into a bunch of details uh one of the most i think like shocking to me is that she literally has an iud in her body which is a form of birth control that is implanted in your body that she cannot remove like but because of this conservatorship she wants this birth control out of her body yeah she said she wants another baby she said she wants to have a family and she like literally can't remove this birth control from her body herself because of this conservatorship they won't let her and yeah it's just so horrible to think about her not having this autonomy over her own body and that's just you know one example of one of the terrible things that she's been dealing with but i mean yeah she said she's not even allowed to like have her boyfriend pick her up and like drive yeah and i mean this is too of course like you know she hasn't been performing or doing anything because she has no autonomy over her business or her career and yeah it's really unfortunate and hard to believe that this is happening um in front of all of us there's lots of people that have you know mental um health issues that are clearly shouldn't it shouldn't like mean that your rights as a human are taken yeah she's clearly like functioning to to some uh capacity in in that she's able to speak for herself and advocate for herself and yeah i really hope that this can lead to her getting some of her rights and autonomy back um, back, yeah free britney free britney yeah we'll try and keep y'all posted as the case continues to evolve uh but if you do want to know more about the situation you can watch the free britney documentary on hulu yeah it's a it's a good documentary switching gears really quickly before we transition to our guest interview i also wanted to mention some chicago news that 
um music festivals are coming back this summer which is like so crazy to think about after the year that we've all been through uh with this pandemic um so yeah Lollapalooza is scheduled pitchfork um i mean the puerto rican festivals moved to september as well so yeah all of these lyrical lemonades yeah Smash. all of these huge festivals it's exciting to see music and art coming back to the city and i know that um, musicians especially have had a really hard time during the pandemic so for sure um yeah it it's exciting but also will be interesting to see how they pull it off with all of these like covid precautions and as someone who has been attending music festivals like Lollapalooza for about 10 years now I think the only thing that we can be sure of is that it won't look like any other year right so that's that on that and yeah we're gonna switch over get into our interview like I said, we have two really amazing guests on this episode. It is Pride Month and it was super important for us to hold some space and really celebrate that and uh, with our community here in Chicago. Yeah. And as always, if you have any questions or feedback about this episode, feel free to reach out, hit our DMs, hit our email and uh, let us know your thoughts. Yeah. Um, it, whatever platform you're listening on right now, take a second to rate or review leave a comment if you fuck with us it really helps and thank y'all for listening yeah thank you so much welcome thank you guys so much for sitting down with us this is systematic podcast <laughs> it's so good to meet both of you you are visions and white ah, incredible thank you thank so much for having us yeah absolutely um yeah we want to introduce the two of you should we start with sada yeah sure okay. say my name is sada dawood i'm a therapist organizer artist i dabble um yes. but that's about it amazing yes. yeah you're both therapists mm -hmm. right licensed therapists social workers yes are those titles like they're different but they're like not interchangeable so social worker is like the umbrella term basically mm -hmm. and then within that you can do so many different things and we specialized in mental health and therapy amazing okay and alex yes i'm alex jenny my pronouns are she her and i am known as the drag therapist mm -hmm. i am a drag queen and a therapist specializing in working with queer and trans people of color mm -hmm. And I make content. Yes, amazing. Did I say that my pronouns are they them? Because they are. Now. They my pronouns are they them. Important. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're so excited to have you both here. Where should we start? I'm like, I'm curious actually how you guys met. How do you know each other? My internship. Yeah. My first year internship in grad school at the Broadway Youth Center. Mm -hmm. That's how we met. Yeah. We're working on staff. Mm-hmm. Cute. Yeah, and then we overlapped briefly uh, at our graduate school and just became family. Alex was just telling us you, you both went to UChicago. Mm -hmm, unfortunately. Alexis just did yes, her master's. we all unfortunately. I'm so sorry about that. This. Yeah. <laughs> Soon it'll be like a bad dream. Yes. You'll barely remember it. So I, I hope that arrives soon. Thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I was like that awkward moment when you're the only one without a master's degree. It's okay. No, it's you're okay. better off. Yeah, you're we probably have, more resilient. Yes, and like we have so much unlearning to do because of our master's oh. degrees. You okay. can just like learn the right thing rather than 
have to like flush your brain of toxicity <laughs> and then try to replace it with what is actually like true and radical. I'm sure you guys got some some good learning in somewhere there. Anything Alex I know is, is inspiring. Teacher or instructor at U Chicago uh -huh. now. Despite the ways in which I protested <laughs> that program and cussed professors out, they hired me. Uh, can you tell us like a little bit more, I don't know, yeah, about yourselves and like the just let's get into it, like the work that you guys do here. I love what I do. I love being able to help others heal. I feel like I fell into being a therapist because I was suffering in my early 20s and I was like, mm -hmm. how do I manage my mental illness and my traumas while also making money? Mm -hmm. And so that's what brought me to social work school. And then when I learned that I could become a therapist through my social work degree, I was like, oh, this is it. Mm. Because, you know, I went to school first and foremost to try to figure out how to heal myself mm. and my chosen family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of the perspective that I bring to my therapy work. It helps me hold myself accountable to the things that I want to be doing in my own life. Mm -hmm. um, I don't pretend to be better than my clients. I don't pretend that I'm not traumatized or mentally ill myself. Mm. Um, and then I realized that therapy isn't necessarily my dream. My dream is to become like an entertainer, to be a performer, mm. to be an actress, right? And, and I was telling my clients like, you know, pursue the things that you're passionate about, it's possible. And I realized I wasn't doing that myself. Yeah. So that's what started my career in drag and in the nightlife scene and creating mm -hmm. spaces for Korean trans people of color to feel safe and worshipped and celebrated. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a little bit more about my background and what I'm passionate about. Amazing. Yeah, that's so inspiring. And that, yeah, that's awesome that you, yeah, you were kind of looking for like some answers questions for yourself and you're able to turn that into a way to help other people at mm -hmm. the same time. Mm -hmm. I feel incredible. like it kind of like breaks down like a myth, maybe or misconception too, that like therapists or like caretakers are like 100% healed. Right, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. we're you're, like going on a journey. We're both crazy. <laughs> Doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, who better to like sit with you and your pain and your suffering than somebody who has been there, like has gone to those dark places within themselves? Because you can really only meet people as far as you've met yourself. And so when you've gone there with yourself, that's when you can really sit with a client and like hold with them mm -hmm. all of the like the challenges and the joys and like the confusion of just being a human being. Yeah, that's incredible. And so what brought you to the work then, I guess? Oof, I mean, I was like the eldest daughter of two immigrant parents who like were never diagnosed with PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so that I think like makes you a fixer, but um, therapists, I think as a therapist, I really had to learn that like that was not my role. Uh, like my compulsion to help um, might be good in, on some days, but in a lot of ways it can show up as problematic. So I've had to like mm. do a lot of unlearning around um, fixing and saving. But I actually, I was trained as a journalist at first. I really wanted to like bring about social change through writing and through investigative journalism. 
And I did some journalism um, and reporting from refugee camps in different parts of the world. And um, yeah, in parts of the world that um, my parents are refugeed from. And it was just really frustrating to have to like write about people's pain and to tell stories about the like, atrocities they were facing and the ways they were being terrorized and um, left to die. And I was just like, wow, I cannot, I cannot be a journalist. Like this cannot be the way that I approach liberation. I know there's like a lot of journalists who do really important mm -hmm. work for social justice. And I just, it wasn't, it wasn't how I was going to help my people get free. And so I just kind of started uh, working at a school and I really loved working with young people. I was teaching documentary making and media literacy, but all my favorite conversations with the like young black and brown people I was working with were just about their fucking feelings. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I wanted to talk to them about. And um, I started working with young queer and trans people who are experiencing homelessness. And um, there was a therapist at that organization. That therapist left and there was not a therapist on staff. Mm -hmm. And so I became like kind of the unofficial therapist. People would get on my schedule. They would write that they needed to like apply for Medicaid, but actually we would talk about like their relationship and mm -hmm. their transition and like how they see their ideal gender. And it was just so lovely. So I figured why not get some training for what I'm already doing mm -hmm. um, and went to school to, yeah, to see if I could like learn how to take care of people who um, who society tells us don't deserve care right. and who like society tells us don't deserve to survive and who aren't resilient and who aren't powerful and none of that is true and right. so I think that's like what brings me to the work over and over again is just wanting to wanting to like be with people on their journey to realizing how powerful they are mm -hmm. um, and how like special queer and trans people of color are. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I just I just see it as like we all have a role in the revolution. And for now, this is mine. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, that was like super eloquently put. Yeah, uh, I'm like, I could tell we got some master's degrees in here. OK, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all like really articulate. <laughs> Um, that's funny. Yeah, no. Um, very well, well yeah. said. Well, well I mean, yeah, the, the story that you're, I mean, yeah, you're like living the embodiment of this mantra, like, who keeps us safe? Like, we keep us safe. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, you guys are kind of touching it, but like, touching on this, but what do you think are some of the most important, like, skills or talents in order to be infected? effective in this line of work like mm. what do you think makes like oh no yeah yeah that's a good question <laughs> that's such a good question or, like what would you yeah what do you want like in your like the ideal type of like person that provides this care like when i was looking for my own therapist some of the questions that i asked was like what is your own relationship to your social identities mm. you know i want someone who has been reflective around their own work in their own life and someone who is actually like humble and like not believing that they know everything mm -hmm. you know and, and and wanting to collaborate wanting to get down into the actual issues and like meet clients where they're at right and not this like 
top down, like I'm here as a savior mm-hmm. approach, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and like basic empathy, right? right? I think I'm continually surprised by how many bad therapists there are. They can't do it. Yes, because they separate themselves yeah. from the work, from mm-hmm. the clients, and that's a that does such a disservice to the work. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it's like really draining Mm -hmm. like to like actually be present for so many people, I'm sure. It definitely can be, but there are definitely, there are days where it like fills me up. There are days where I'm kind of like, wow, I have nothing left to give. If somebody like, I don't know, asked me to choose between two like mundane options to help them like get Mm. dressed, I might start crying. But then there Same. are, <laughs> but then there are days where I like, I feel uh, like nourished just from meeting with my clients, especially especially the ones who are queer and trans people of color. Yeah. Um, but if I can answer your question, because I I love what Alex said, and the thing I think that I would add is that um, you have to believe that people are inherently valuable. Um, you have to believe that like people are worthy of support and you have to believe they can change. And I think sometimes that can be like misconstrued that like we all need to forgive everyone and that's not true, but somebody needs to forgive you mm. and hopefully it's yourself, but also it could be a therapist. Somebody needs to like look at all of your darkest parts and say, you are still worthy. You still have the capacity for healing you are valuable um and like i won't abandon you as you figure this out yeah i think there are some therapists who are just who are really obsessed with like a victim abuser dichotomy and they don't Mm. care about people who've caused harm Mm. and they don't believe that everybody deserves unconditional positive regard and i just don't want to be one of those therapists Mm. and i don't want to work with them yeah yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, I think. Yeah. No, th- uh, that makes sense. Um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, this is just my perception, but it seems like people that go into therapy sometimes, kind of like being a teacher, like it can, it can draw people that like naturally are like, I want to help people, but maybe come from, yeah, more privileged backgrounds mm-hmm. and haven't had to like deal with the complexities of like how to deal with harm in like a restorative way right. in a very direct way i think yeah. that's like a good example of how the way we might approach the work looks different i just had a session with a client today where she was like i am so deep in my depression and i want this to go away and i don't know why it's happening mm-hmm. and i was like well based on everything we've talked about it makes a lot of sense to me why you're suffering right now mm-hmm. right and you need to respect what's going on in your life and respect that suffering you can't mm-hmm. just get rid of it you have right. to honor it Right. And that's not the answer that most people want Mm -hmm. versus like a psychiatrist who's going to say, this is a problem. I'm pathologizing the problem. Here's medication to get rid of the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. It's this medical model that just doesn't work, like doesn't take into account our social location and the like just the entire person. It just doesn't make. I had a psychiatrist tell me uh, that I needed to take antidepressants and that I was going to feel stupid for not taking them and any every day I waited I was just gonna feel dumber and dumber never mind just like the ableism of that approach but also just how like how presumptuous it is and 
she also like told me all about her divorce. It was like a, mul a multiply oh problematic session. I did not return. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's part of what I really respect about Alex's work and that I hope that I embody in my work is that people are constantly shocked working with us <laughs> um, because we're being honest. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in like a, I'm being honest so I can say whatever I want and I can be mean to you. No, not like that crass, insensitive honesty, mm -hmm. but just like being a whole person and trying to sit with an entire human being rather than like a client that you want to parse apart and pick apart and diagnose and fix and send on their way. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, both of you have like such like, I think like really powerful like presences in person and online. But yeah, that was something that I kind of wanted to talk about too. Um, just like, yeah, how you guys like approach things so like authentically and like unapologetically and like you're like not afraid to like take up space and like claim that space for yourselves i was just i'm like have you always been like that like how did that happen absolutely not <laughs> oh my god me and alex are just looking at each other like <laughs> oh my god it's so i like i feel i feel like a fraud sometimes when people compliment my confidence but i really appreciate that compliment i feel like i'm fighting to take up space every single day yeah i joke that like I think this is something that trans people and like in my experience trans women go through a lot too like the power of fantasy mm. and kind of reclaiming what it means to be mentally ill and delusional and so in my delusion in my fantasy i'm a star mm -hmm. and i carry myself like i'm a star mm -hmm. right and an icon right and that's my way of manifesting that fantasy in my own life yeah and so my social media is curated to be that way right mm -hmm. this is the version of myself that i wish i could be mm -hmm. right but as i present it i'm honest about that process as well mm -hmm. yeah i want to be like that i mean even just like with this podcast it can be like intimidating some like to like i i mean we share our, our opinions and try to you know be like very direct in our analysis and our beliefs as well but i'm just like yeah i know that that can be intimidating and i'm sure that like all of like your followers like really like appreciate that from you and like sharing that process yeah and, and pers perspectives like i was learning a lot just like scrolling through both of your pages and like mm. this is incredible just like the time that you guys put into it i appreciate it Mm, thank sure. you. Thank yeah. You so much. I'm sure, like, I'm just like, Chicago, I mean, Chicago's, like, queer community in general, I think, is, like, really, like, a special, like, place. There's, like, so many, like, just, like, nurturing and talented, like, people here really trying to, like, protect Push each for other. Change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, that being said, it's pride, right? And I was curious maybe could we give like your explanation of like what that means or like for people who might be listening who like don't celebrate or, mm. like, or like what does that mean to you both mm -hmm. to celebrate i'm already in a cry <laughs> <laughs> i love queer people so much <sighs> i think like i'll be honest with where i'm at right now like Pride, the month of Pride, is so busy for me, and so I'm mm. I'm having reflections of like next year I want to do things a little bit differently, like 
just going through all these emails from corporations who mm. want me to like sell things for them yeah. and mm. all these gigs that aren't actually about celebrating and centering my communities. And so I think I'm trying to reclaim what Pride Month can look like for me. But in general, I think the way I practice Pride all year round is about celebrating the divinity of what it means to be queer and trans. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about the manifestation of the impossible. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's why I project such uh, exaggerated image of myself because I think to myself that harm and violence needs a direct and proportional response. Mm -hmm. And so if the world is telling me that I don't deserve to exist, I need to proclaim that space and have the audacity to say, I deserve to exist and in fact I deserve to be worshipped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> Pride is such a complicated time because Alex said um, we're busy during Pride. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to be able to rest and celebrate and like be with community. Right. And I feel lucky to like be able to make some time to do that during Pride, but it's also like you have to churn out so much for mm -hmm. people to consume, um, especially Alex in the work that she does. Um, yeah. I'm a organizer with Chicago Dyke March. Um, mm -hmm. And Which is this Saturday. Yeah, it is this Saturday. So it's a little different than years past. It's going to be an action primarily um, mm. with the intent of global abolition and demanding that on the immediate. Um, and so we're standing in solidarity with black folks in Chicago and with Palestinians um, on yes. occupied land. And I'm really excited for that space. Um, but I think part of what I really love about being an organizer with Dyke March is trying to embody um, what like our foremothers gave to us when they when they created Pride um, so many times over, and then ultimately again uh, the Stonewall riots mm -hmm. and um, I I know that like Pride was a was a riot against the police led by homeless kids and trans women and a black butch lesbian and um and now like you know it's corporate and queer and trans people don't get to rest and we're like the face of everything until july 1st and then they're like all right see y'all faggots thanks <laughs> thanks for coming um Literally. yeah but um, the reason Dyke March is so special to me is I really, I really work with like my collective to try to, um, to like bring about the spirit of like what Pride was when it was born, um, which is like a riot and an action against oppressive forces. Um, and so Pride does really have a special place in my heart, uh, not so much because of like Smirnoff <laughs> is in the float or because Sorry like yes. yeah exactly like I don't give a fuck about the gay cops on their little float it makes me feel homophobic when I see it um as a queer person <laughs> but yeah I, I really I love pride and I just hope that we can keep as like fight as hard as we can to maintain the spirit of what it means and its intention um and the, like the power behind it um, yeah. Not just the celebration, mm -hmm. but also just like the mobilization yeah. of people who demand to be seen, to survive, and to be free. Yeah. 
um i love that yeah i think um that i'm sure is definitely like not uh i'm sure that's a really common misconception like a lot of people who aren't part of the queer community are just like oh it's just like a big party right Mm -hmm. and like don't understand like Mm -hmm. those like really like intense like roots of where this comes from and like yeah i mean it is a celebration of like how far the community has come to and of course there's like so much more like progress to be made still Mm -hmm. but um yeah we're definitely trying to pull up yeah it's uh, it's a really special place in my heart and i think um it it makes me hopeful for like the world i want to live in full time dyke march is kind of like a little sampling of that for me like um there's no white people on the mic and everybody who is in like a position of power with their community are queer and trans people of color and um food is like free or accessible everything's sliding scale we take Mm -hmm. care of each other we don't invite cops we have medics and safety marshals um taking care of each other and so i just i just want to build that for every day but until then we try to just like make little pockets of it when we can yeah no that's incredible and how many years has it been going now I should know my Dyke March history, but I don't. It's, I mean, the... A while. It's been an, a long time. It was born, you know, obviously from the Stonewall riots. And then from there, there was a group called the Lesbian Avengers that was starting, um, that was like uh, carrying out political actions. And then from there, the Dyke March was born. And it started, um, I think, in D.C. and then made its way kind of just all over the world. Um, yeah, it's been a while. I love that. Yeah, this question is for both of you. Yeah, there's been a lot of conversations over the past several years of like how to make Chicago's pride and like the queer community, like the way it works in general, more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you had the ability to wave a magic wand and change like one like issue um, here, what do you think you would change about how like pride or like this or kind is of industry there, works. I mean, or is it fine? Yeah. First thing that comes up to me that might sound oversimplified, but I want white cis gay men to give up their power mm-hmm. and to fall move back. aside. Mm-hmm. 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 And give us their money. Yeah. I mean, Pride has a lot of issues. I think uh, no cops, no corporate sponsorship. Um, we need to center accessibility and have different kinds of events that different people in different bodies can attend, um, people who are sober, people who are young, uh, people who are homeless, mm-hmm. all need a place to be able to celebrate who they are. And it's just not really how it is right now, but yeah. someday. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine you, you both, yeah, talking about like your e- email inboxes and looking like, oh my God, that's probably, yeah really like difficult to deal with during a time when yeah you're supposed to yeah be be celebrating yeah the death threats make it hard to celebrate for sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah that's probably the biggest bummer for me yeah (laughs) well i think yeah i did see you were talking about this recently right yeah i was thinking about that a lot too with like because you both built and are building like pretty like robust um, platforms, which is incredible that you're able to um, reach so many people with 
these really important like resources um but yeah i'm sure that comes like with pros and cons having that visibility as well um how has that been like coping with that and yeah are there any like specific boundaries or things that you do like in terms of like social media to like protect your energy mm -hmm. i read all of my comments but i've stopped responding to them mm -hmm. just because it's too much work for me to do um and also i think it's about recognizing that visibility without protections is not going to save us mm -hmm. right like i don't pretend like my instagram is like part of my liberation work mm -hmm. you know it has a specific role but my liberation work needs to like manifest in like my chosen family and like pods of care right and the work that i do on instagram is really affirming and like allows me to like fundraise for my medical transition and things like that mm -hmm. and help other queer and trans people feel seen but it also puts me in a lot of danger mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So i'm sure it's scary it yeah really it can be scary. yeah yeah i i mean it is scary but i also like i i think we both come from a legacy of really like powerful people who were not meant to survive and who did anyway and so like fuck it yeah comment your little heart out instagram trolls mm -hmm. and i also for me like my boundary around social media is that like you are welcome to disagree you are welcome to have discussion you are welcome to bring up opposing viewpoints but honestly i'm not engaging it's not like there are some I'm willing to like argue with other abolitionists about like how we get free but I'm not willing to argue with somebody who doesn't think <laughs> that I'm trans enough because I'm you know not considering top surgery like I'm not I'm not having that conversation and you're welcome to have it just not with me and not on my platform sure and I think like some people have accused me of like shutting down discussion. And I'm also just like, I'm trying to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm also trying to take care of the people who are viewing this shit. I'm trying to take care of like my followers who are largely like my community and my friends and my family. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to be exposed to that shit. So I'm blocking and I'm deleting and yeah. I'm gonna be unapologetic about it. Totally. And I've learned early on in my work that like, I can't waste my energy trying to convince people who want me dead that I deserve to live. That can't be no. My activism. That no. cannot be your job. Yeah. Absolutely no. not. No. Yeah, definitely. There's like, I mean, at this point, yeah, it's 2021. Like, there's just like so many like free like resources out there, and yeah, people are coming to your page and not trying to educate themselves or like open to that education. Like, right? Because I mean, like, I that was. I mean, we were all like there more or less to at. To some extent at some point you know like uneducated and making a lot of mistakes and like i'm still uneducated about a lot of things i'm still making mistakes every day um same but we were all like we all started somewhere mm -hmm. so the resources are out there there are people who can help you along it does not have to be me and it does not need to be at my expense or at the people who are like who are engaging it doesn't need to be at their expense either like people who are just stopping by my selfies to like drop a sweet comment don't need to don't need to be exposed to your garbage there's other ways to learn and it's not my responsibility to like create a learning moment for you at my expense mm -hmm. no that's really important 
Mm -hmm. Um, Should we like go over some of the questions? We had some like listeners that submitted some questions for y'all. Yeah. Thank for the fan. So yeah, one of them was like, are you optimistic about the future of like access to mental health services? Um, Hope is a discipline, as (laughs) Miriam Kaba would say. Yeah. I'm not always very disciplined. Um, Sometimes I have a lot of like optimism and hope for the future, but I can't always sustain it. Um, and so it comes and goes. I don't know. What about you, Alex? It's hard. You know, I think it's something that I have to find what my role is in cultivating that hope and be okay with doing my part through that role Mm -hmm. and not taking on the whole medical industrial complex, you Mm -hmm. know, that's bigger than me. And honestly, as a mentally ill trans woman of color, you know, I don't have the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I can do my part and again in my own communities and my own chosen family and my own pods of care. And I I can't pretend like I have the power right now to continue <laughs> single handedly like pushing back against these systems. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think there is hope that future generations to come are learning things that took me a lot longer to internalize. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I do have hope in that. And it can be really easy to be jaded and bitter in this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Especially well, when you're burnt out. I think that's like such a big sign of when I'm burnt out is like how yes. bitter I feel and how hopeless I feel and also how much I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders specifically. Mm-hmm. So that's not really true. But when you are overworked and burnt out and feeling like you're working so much beyond your capacity, it kind of just feels like if you don't do it, no one will. Yeah. And we have to learn to share our burdens and to trust that like, when we have to set work down, somebody else will hopefully pick it up and keep it moving. And then, you know, we can share that work together when we both can, I don't know, it's tough. It is is difficult. I mean, I feel like mental health is at least like the discussions are becoming a lot more mainstream yeah Uh, and yeah i feel like just even within my circles like it's becoming more like common for people to talk about like oh well my therapist like i feel like Mm -hmm. it's at least in my experience like it feels like it's becoming like more common but i'm also wondering like if that is like like if if it can like keep up like because there's already i feel like it's already hard to access and with more people and you, you were talking about too i think with like the pandemic i feel like mm-hmm. more people are looking for resources now more than ever mm-hmm. As, and especially if, yeah if you're trying to find someone to talk to that like looks like you or can relate to you it's even right. harder yeah yeah i was just like well at least our people are talking about it more but yeah, I wonder if like the the like institutions and the people that are going through them can keep up with the growth right now. I don't know. Sorry, it was just a thought. No, I, think it's real. I think there's an important distinction too, at least in my opinion, that like mental health is becoming more normalized in conversations, but mental illness is not. Mm-hmm. So mental health meaning like conversations about self care individualized medical care, individualized therapy, therapy that you can access on your cell phone through an app, Mm. right? But the realities of mental illness and trauma are still so stigmatized, right? So 
it's okay to talk about, oh yeah, I'm burnt out and I'm going to go do yoga and I'm going to rest and I'm going to take a nap. Mm-hmm. But it's not okay to say, I'm mentally ill, I'm pushing everyone away, I'm causing harm in my communities, I'm, you know, toxic and I'm hurting people and I don't know how to stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, our last episode we did was on sexual assault awareness month too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like just another area where like people think this like is like more of a normalized topic mm-hmm. now. Like after the like post me too. They're like, oh well there's more awareness and people are talking about it. But it's like on a, like communal levels it's still so hard for people to mm-hmm. address it and get the care that they need. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we're like starting to wrap up, I was wondering if you guys have any like maybe like just like quick like or go to like grounding or like just like coping like techniques like I've been doing a lot of like yeah just like breath breath work like breathing mm-hmm. to ground myself lately. Do you guys have any suggestions? Mm. For me, it's about gratitude and it's about centering the people in my life that I love and again creating pods of care that I know are going to show up for me Mm -hmm. you know in our liberation work we cannot let capitalism take us away from creating those systems of care that would be built in from the jump if we lived in a liberated world Mm -hmm. and asking myself to use a radical imagination a concept that comes from you know black queer feminist thought to imagine what it would be like to live in a free, liberated world and then trying to access that in the here and now and not waiting for oppression to be over in order to do that because we'll be waiting forever. Yeah. Right? And so for me, drag does that for me. When I'm performing on stage in those four minutes, I'm liberated. I'm free. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think um, I think needing people gets a really bad rep right now. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I think like co-regulation is so important and I think we're meant or made to feel ashamed of needing support. I think there's like a really important um, discussion happening around like boundaries and like protecting your energy and like asking for consent before you share a traumatic story. But it's kind of like blown up out of proportion and become this monster of like... um, like people are afraid to ask for emotional labor from mm. people who love them, yeah. um, which is just blowing my mind. Like emotional labor as a concept was not created to discuss like the ways we care for our communities. Mm. It was created to discuss like unpaid labor primarily done by femmes and black people and especially black women mm-hmm. um, who were doing like unpaid invisible labor as part of their jobs to take care of the people around them it was not created to talk about the fact that like your friend might call you when they're having a panic attack and they might need you and it's okay if you don't have it you don't have the capacity in that moment but people are politicizing the fact that they are rejecting Mm -hmm. their responsibility to care for each other Mm -hmm. and so i think like my main grounding technique that i've been made to feel ashamed of is co-regulation and just sitting with a person who's more regulated with me and feeling their ease and feeling their groundedness and like absorbing that. Um, And humans were made to connect. We were made to co-regulate. We were made to like seek comfort and safety from each other. And so I really want to like push back on this idea that 
you cannot need people or that if you are crazy or if you are sad or mm -hmm. if you're sick, um, you are a burden. Mm. Um, we'll all be a burden at some point, but the point of community is that um, we take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And it's this like self-reliant bullshit is not real. Like we can't survive alone. Totally. Yeah, I think that's really important. And yeah, I'm super fortunate to have someone <laughs> yes and we always like yeah we do that for each other i think when i'm not grounded and she's there for me right and that's how person. it's supposed to be but yeah. we're told that like that makes us weak that makes us needy or we're burdensome and it's just not real like mm -hmm. it's not real it just all feeds back into like this white supremacist idea of individuality mm -hmm. um that like we can survive on our own it's mm -hmm. bullshit Right. yeah that's super important so yeah i think we're, we're wrapping up just i think we want to talk about like how people can like support you both and like mm -hmm. follow you where they can reach you and like all of those good things yeah if there's anything like specific that people can do i know you mentioned you have a transition fund on your page um mm -hmm. follow me on instagram at alex jenny underscore mm -hmm. and my link for my fundraiser is in my bio yeah mm. um yeah for me um my instagram is bint haram b-i-n-t dot haram h-a-r-a-m mm -hmm. um and I have a fundraiser for Dyke March in my bio. So yes. if you love black and brown, indigenous, queer and trans people and hate white supremacy. <laughs> Empty wallets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pitch in <laughs> if you can. Um, but also just sharing, just attending is all uh, labor and like a show of love that I appreciate. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you guys so yeah. much for your time. Yeah, we thank really you. appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for all the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank really you. inspiring. Awesome. Yeah. That's a wrap. Yay, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my destiny is written, yeah, yeah. Cause my destiny is written, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock with script Christian, yeah, yeah. Baby, I'm so proud of your girl, she's so not a. Don't come around when you see that, she ain't got no dollars. Hustle on the go, don't wanna say I told you so. Haters come around and they're working on the low. Bossed up like me, not for reading in the cut. In charge of my own legacy, don't care about no jealousy. Only care about me, blood, love, rights, and humanity. Better days ahead, bye. Better days ahead, head. Be the higher you, cause I'm on the way to the better me. One day you gonna see, yeah, yeah. One day you gonna see, yeah, yeah. One day you gonna see.